And for those of you who remain, whether here in person or on the live stream, I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. We're going to be spending the next three weeks looking at these first ten verses because there's a lot going on here. And I thought for a while that we would just break it up like talk about men, and then we'll talk about women, and then we'll talk about uh, employers and employees. And, and then as I studied more, I, I realized there is a, there's a structure to this passage that is also communicating something. There's a, a, a literary structure called a chiasm. All right? It's called a chiasm because it looks like uh, the Greek letter chi, which is, uh, looks like our capital X which if you ever see Xmas, it's not taking Christ out of Christmas. It's also used as an abbreviation for Christ. So whether on purpose or accidentally, they've left Christ in. Um, but uh, this passage, you know, you, you sort of have these levels that, that are all parallel and work themselves into a point, whether a, a point in the text or a point in the theme. And as I read this, you're going to find that there is a chiasm here. And so what a chiasm shows you is that there are all these different levels. So there are all these different situations or scenarios or stations or layers or whatever, depending on what we're looking at, that, that we should pay attention to, these different things, but that they're all connected with something in common. So what we're going to look at this week and next, this week we're going to look at what, what is it that holds all of these things in common? And then next week, how does that common theme work itself out in all those different places and stations? So, Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train young, the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that, it, that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. This is God's Word. Let's pray that He would teach us this morning. Heavenly Father, Help us, O Lord, to see what it means for us to be formed together in our Lord Jesus Christ, that he might be exalted and glorified, and that we might become more and more like him. We ask that you would do this in his name. Amen. We live in a complex and chaotic world. And it, it, it seems like the more I read about what's going on in the world, the more complex, chaotic, and inhuman it becomes. And it's changing so fast. There's so much going on, and there's so much information. There are wars in Europe and in Africa and in places I haven't even had time to look into. There are conflicts in culture. 
There's polarization in politics. People are fighting and yelling at one another. They are doing violence against one another. There is inflation. There is fear of recession. There are supply chain woes. There are concerns about where all of this is heading. And it is too much to really take in. It's to the point that one... uh, teacher that I follow in his reading has noticed that they're talking more and more about the poly crisis. It's no longer just one crisis. It's the poly crisis. There's too many to even wrap our heads around. How are we supposed to make sense of it? How are we supposed to prepare? What's the next pandemic going to be? Heaven forbid. And what good is the church in the midst of all of this? Because I, I got my degree in epidemiology off of Twitter. I've told you this before, right? My, my master's in global geo-global politics was, you know, from a podcast somewhere about, by some guy. I don't know any of these things. I just read the news like anybody else, and maybe I shouldn't. There's a lot to take in and a lot to process. And how in the world is the church, this church, the church in Hampton Roads, the church all over the world, how is the church supposed to to make its way in the midst of all this chaos and confusion if we can't even wrap our heads around what's going on? Well, the bad news is I can't tell you how to wrap your head around what's going on. The good news is that Paul tells Titus that the church's work in the world, it's not that complicated. Now, don't misunderstand me. It is absolutely, mind-numbingly, eternally, infinitely difficult. But it's not that complicated. The church is to be about seeing people formed more and more in the likeness and image of Christ. It doesn't matter if you're men or women, if you're old or young, if you're rich or poor, if you're Jewish or Gentile. all All of these different people in all of these different stations in life, they receive the same calling. Paul gives his son in the faith, this pastor Titus, the same charge to work in the church, to see people more and more formed in the likeness and the image of Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because we have the same doctrine, we have the same fruit that we are to bear in this world, we have the same calling in life, and they all lead us back to the same place to Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so we're going to look at those three things this morning, the same doctrine, the same fruit, the same calling that we have to consider what it means for us to be formed together in Christ. And so the first thing I want us to see is that we hold the same doctrine, the same doctrine that has united Christians throughout the ages, the same doctrine that was proclaimed even from the very beginning the garden, when God gave good news to a sinful Adam and Eve. 
And our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to be formed together in the truth of who he is and what he is about. Now, our culture is by and large disconnected from the truth. And, and I don't mean by that that there's no truth to be found out there. All truth is God's truth. But culturally, even when scientists or scholars or ordinary, everyday, common people find their way to, to grab hold of something that is true, by and large, often, it's just disconnected from capital T, truth. Take, for instance, our... Uh, Western culture's uh, obsession with human rights and human dignity. Something that, that by and large, is is good to consider the dignity that all human beings have. Uh, Tom Holland, not that Tom Holland, but the historian and scholar Tom Holland, who was never Spider-Man in any movie, uh, is not a believer Uh, and got into his academic studies because he was fascinated with Greeks and Romans and their cultures. And, And as he studied more and more and more, he found that their culture that he once was fascinated with was completely alien to him. And he writes and talks about how he's, he's come to the disturbing conclusion that all of these things that he values, all of these rights have as their foundation Christian doctrine and truth. And our culture has the vestiges of those things, has the little pockets, little elements, but they've disconnected themselves from the source. And what Paul tells Titus here is that in his pastoral ministry, he should not settle for the vestiges, for the the remnants, for the crumbs of the truth, but that he should go straight to the source. Teach what accords with sound doctrine, which is, as he says at the very end, that doctrine of our God and Savior who he is and what he has done. The good news that our God, who made all things, who has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. It's that gospel That is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, old or young, rich or poor, black or white. It does not matter. It's the same gospel truth that our God is the God of salvation. And he makes a people for himself and purifies them though they were once enemies of God, wicked, sinful, rebellious people. Sometimes we get disconnected from that truth, right? Sometimes we obsess over one little thing or get caught up in one way of thinking or attach our wagon 
to some star that is not the Lord Jesus Christ, the great morning star. And we start to follow their way of thinking and start to look and do the things that they do. And we get disconnected from who Jesus is, from what he's like, from what he has done and is doing and calls us to be about. But he's gracious and is able every day to renew his people in his likeness and image. Where do you need your mind renewed? By that good news of who Jesus is, what he's done. Where have you found yourself growing more and more angry and frustrated as you see the world going in whatever direction it seems to be going And you've forgotten that there is a peace offered us in Christ that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds so that the Lord Jesus can send us out into a chaotic world, not to sow more division and hostility, but to be peacemakers. Where do you need to be reminded of all of the glorious things that he is doing in your life. Once had a seminary professor who reminded us that, that we would be better off buying fewer commentaries and getting to know more 80, 90-year-old men and women who have spent the last 70, 80 years reading the Bible and praying. Because Bart Ehrman can tell you what he thinks the Bible says. But that little faithful man and woman, they're connected to the source and they know what it says. Do you know people like that? Are you growing in that connection to the source? Not just reading the Bible as a scholar would, but as that revelation of our Lord Jesus. Have you found in it and in your connection to him the truth that he has called us to a glorious purpose? Not not to solve all the world's problems. Because you you can't. I can't solve my budget problems. I'm not going to solve the United States budget problems. But he's the king. And he is coming to set all things right. And what he asks of us in the meantime is to be faithful. To live as he calls us to live. And what change can he bring when his people are salt and light in the world? We have the same doctrine that unites us together in Christ. And he calls us to bear the same fruit. Because Christ forms us in his likeness and image according to his character. Our culture obsesses over differences, doesn't it? All the polarization, all it is is just a fancy way of saying, you're not like me and you need to be like me. All the college campuses where one group shouts down another group, won't let that person speak because they don't agree with us, won't let that person speak because they don't agree with us. All the politicians who just play the game and pretend like, wow, you're the enemy. You are the worst thing that could possibly happen to the world. All of the racial division, 
All of the sexual division, all of the cultural division. Our culture loves to divide. There are ways to divide over your view of the Star Wars franchise. And honestly, unless you agree with me, you're just wrong. See? And where the church isn't immune to that. I've read so many books. You can just fill a library with all the books that have been written about how to be a godly man and how to be a godly woman. And I can't tell you how many reference this passage and how many go through and find all the little things that might be different. But what they, they're really doing there is they're looking out in the culture and they're finding characteristics and qualities about men that they like. And they're like, I like that. And then they attach Bible verses to it and they write a book and say, this is what it means to be a godly man. Or they look at all of these characters and qualities of women that they see out in the culture and they say, I like that. And they attach Bible verses to it and they say, this is what it means to be a godly woman. And they never start with the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is the one we are all to become more and more like. Notice, despite all the differences, and I'm not talking about any of them this week, that's next week. Notice all the things that are the same. Likewise, older men, be like this. Sound in faith and what you believe, in love and how you treat God and one another, and in steadfastness, which is a fancy way of talking about hope, hope of everlasting life that helps us endure this chaotic world. Older men, be sound in those things. Likewise, older women, I'm going to use different words to describe the same things, but it's the same things. And you should pass that on to the younger women, those same things. And younger men, likewise, you should receive those same things from the older men because it's the same fruit of the same Holy Spirit. Notice all of the themes. Sobriety, being sober-minded, being slaves to much wine, being dignified or reverent, people of integrity, those that, that don't say one thing and do another, but when they say they worship the Lord God and they cling to Him with all they have, they worship the Lord God, God and cling to Him with all they have. This theme of self-control, of love, The same fruit is to be born in all of God's people. Men and women, old and young, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile. We're all to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And certainly... While that might look a little bit different from circumstance to circumstance and in stage of life to stage of life, it's the same fruit because it's the same Christ. Where does your character need renewal? When you get tired or worn down or stressed out, and something springs up, like, like what's the natural outflow from, from you? I, for me, when I'm feeling thin, I get grumpy and frustrated and angry at everything and everybody. And I 
Some of you have received that from me, and, and I can only apologize. But the natural outflow of my heart is not the fruit of the Spirit. I need to be connected to the Lord Jesus so that more and more in those moments, the natural outflow of my heart looks a little bit more like Him and a little bit less like the old sinful me. What about you? What is Christ teaching you about yourself in whatever difficult time you are facing? He calls us to grow, to bear fruit like trees. And a tree, they all need the same thing. They need to be rooted well in the ground. They need to be nourished. They need strong trunks. They need branches that spread forth, that have many leaves, so that they can bear the weight of good fruit. And, And a tree never stops producing those things. A tree doesn't just put out one branch and stop. I'm done. Have you ever seen a pear, a baby pear tree? You have to pick the pear off. The branches aren't ready. They'll break. And the oldest tree you can find, it didn't suddenly turn into a convertible Mercedes. It still has roots that go deep in the ground, a trunk, branches that spread out more and more leaves so they can bear more and more fruit. And it's got to be stronger because more storms are coming its way. We are called to be like that in Christ, rooted in him, growing more and more that we bear the fruit that he nourishes us to bear. And at whatever stage of life you're in, it's still the same fruit because it's the same Christ. It's also the same calling because Christ forms us in his love. Our culture encourages, encourages us to find love deep within ourselves. It encourages a form of self-worship that really is the antithesis of love. Because the message is, if you are going to be happy in this life, if you are going to find purpose and fulfillment, you need to dig deep inside and you need to find it there. Only you know what can make you happy. And it never seems to work. It leads to all sorts of dysfunction, all sorts of addiction, all sorts of depression and sadness because we were made to find our purpose outside of ourselves. I've read with Grief, the news reports of shooting after shooting after shooting, violence after violence after violence in California and Memphis and Jerusalem and elsewhere. And sometimes the motives are clear. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's, I was angry at this group of people, but they took my happiness away. They got in the way of what I thought would fulfill me. And it makes me sad. And it makes me afraid. Because there's no sin that has seized us except what's common to man. And that seed of prideful desire that will destroy anything and anyone that gets in our way is alive and well in our hearts. And we... When we seek to find that happiness deep within our own hearts, 
will start to mow over and destroy all of those around us. Whether with words, actions, or God forbid, a, a weapon. But this passage calls us to something totally different. The Lord Jesus Christ calls us to be people who know and overflow with his love. There is a theme in Titus of good works. Not the good works that the false teachers were doing. These were those who were trying to impress God with their good works. And Paul says to Titus that they they are not fit for good works because they're disconnected from Christ. Christ doesn't know him. Christ doesn't know them and they don't know Christ. They're just doing these things that they think are good. But for those who are connected to him, he calls us to not hold that goodness in, In fact, it can't be held in, but the love of Christ will overflow. Older men, it should overflow in how you take the younger men in the faith and mentor them. Being good models, models of good works. Teaching them to show integrity. Older women, you likewise should teach what is good so that we We know what it is and then can do it in Christ. We'll look at it later, but even slaves and masters, employees, employers, whatever the modern equivalent may be, doing all things well to reflect not our goodness, not our glory, but the goodness and glory and love of Christ that we should love one another enough that we value our relationships enough to step even into the hard places and seek the grace of Christ to be at work. That we invest in others, that we are not those who tear down in hostility, but those who build up in love. And it's that love, that love for God, that love for neighbor. It's that same love that God has called his people to since ages past. Because it's a reflection of his love. That did not see him remain in glory, tut-tutting a sinful and rebellious people, but a love that moved him to not consider even equality with God something to be grasped. It led him to make himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That we might not have to bear our sins, that we might not have to bear death, but that in his resurrection, we might be raised to newness of life in Christ. A life that's characterized by the good works he's prepared beforehand for us to do. A life that's characterized by the overflow of his love and kindness to us as we give that love and kindness to others. And the church, the church ought to be that place, that schoolhouse, that practice field where the love of Christ is worked out more and more.
Where do you, where do we need to have our love for one another renewed? Maybe you found yourself in isolation, busy with work, busy with kids, busy with life, and you feel disconnected and love is absent. Reach out. Join a discipleship group. Join a small group. Come to worship. Interact with people. Bake a cake. Connect with others who are in need just like you are. And know that that love of Christ that he has given to you overflows in such a way to others that it can't help but be rebounded back to you. And soothe those fears. Soothe that loneliness. For love, love is not a self-centeredness. It is an other-centeredness. Love looks to the other to serve, to help, to build. And it's intentional. It doesn't happen by accident or osmosis. Where do you need your love for others renewed? Look, the whole book of Titus is talking about what the church ministry ought to look like. It's answering this question, what is the church for? And if the church isn't a militia training ground to take over the world and conquer it for Jesus, if the church isn't an ivory tower where we study all the deep philosophies that the world has ever known, if the church isn't a social club where we all can hang out and, and, and do fun things together. If the church isn't these things, what is the church for? And what the scriptures call us to is this realization. Church is a place where God molds his people in his likeness and image. Bonhoeffer in his book, Life Together, warns Christians about putting their own expectations on the church. Because you're going to walk in and you'll be like, well, I think they should do this and I think they should do that. And, and that's not me saying I'm unwilling to hear constructive criticism. That's Bonhoeffer warning all of us, including the pastor, that we have a tendency to put our expectations on what the church should be about. And when it doesn't conform to our likeness and image, we get upset. That's not what the church is for. It's to see you and me and all of us together formed more and more according to Christ's expectations, according to his plans and purposes, according to his goodness and grace, according to his glory, that we would be a place where we are formed together in Christ. It was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be about this good work in us. You would remind us that no matter who we are, no matter where we've come from, no matter how different we are, whether we are older or younger, men or women, boys or girls, rich, poor, black, white, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. You are the great God and Savior of all. And if we would know the glory of that salvation, we need to come to you, to your truth, that we might be people who bear your fruit in answer to your calling.
Help us to be that salt and light in this world. Help us not to be ineffective and unproductive, but to be the very hands and feet of Christ. That when people look at us and wonder, what is that church about? They wouldn't have to guess, but they would know. They are about people knowing and being formed in our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen. Let's stand and sing our next hymn, Come and Stand Amazed.